Hey, hey, you're hearing me, Misha Youssef, and my tummy from all the fasting. Welcome back to Tell Them I Am. So I grew up listening to Indian and Pakistani music, ghazals, classical music, kawali. And the thing that struck me is how it always felt like a party. There's a constant call and response. The musicians build off each other, talking to each other. The audience responds with wah, wah, kya baat hai, clapping along as the song builds up. It's like everyone is participating in the experience. The more the musicians interact with each other and the audience, the more the audience responds. That call and response, it's supposed to mimic the relationship between man and God at its best. That's what we hope for, right? We pray to God and hope our prayer is heard. God speaks to us, and we hope that we can hear it. I am Zakir Hussain. Uh, family name is Qureshi, and I come from India, a northern part of India, and I play North Indian classical music. So this would be 1966. I am 15, and uh, I was already playing professionally for about four years. I started when I was 12. So I had started traveling overnight train journeys, and, and usually there are festivals that take place in different cities in India. They didn't have concert halls, so what they do is they, in a field, they would set up a big, huge tent canopy and have three, four, five, six-day festivals. So I was asked to come and play with two different sets of musicians with a day in between. So I came uh, in a train. It was, the train was called Kolkata Mail via Nagpur. Kolkata Mail went through Nagpur, which was the winter capital of the state of Maharashtra. A lot of cotton is grown in the area and fields and fields and fields of cotton and stuff. So when you're actually coming in, you can see little particles of cotton flying in the air. And if you go out for a walk for a short while, you will find a streak of gray in your head. So uh, I arrived and I was supposed to play with this violinist, Indian style violin named DK Datar. Never met him before. I was a young whippersnapper. I was not nervous. I was excited because I thought, you know, I knew the whole jing bang and I got this and, you know, people love it when I get on stage and I play something and they go, oh, yeah, yeah. And I was just looking forward to, you know, having that happen again. So um, DK Datar and I got on the stage. It was about 10-ish at night. We started playing. And DK Datar was a very serious musician, and, and he wanted to experience his way through the raga uh, music uh, in a leisurely, slow manner. And so he proceeded to do that, and I guess the audience was not necessarily in the mood for that. And I also was not ready for that because I was ready for, from the word go, all that stuff. And so I wasn't getting a chance to do that, but I tried to uh, slip it in every now and then, and, uh, but it, it wasn't working well. And the audience, I guess, could sense it. 
they were like, okay, what's going on here? They are not working together. They are not interacting well together and so on. And this young man is kind of maybe disturbing him, the, the main artist and so on. And next thing you know, they started to boo us. Clapping at the wrong place. And like, you know, they just wanted to drown you out. At first, Mr. Datar tried to ignore it and just kept bravely playing through it. But then it got to a point where it was almost constant. And then we, we looked to the side and the promoter of the concert was signaling to us, get off. So we did. When I got off the stage, I had nobody to turn to. I was not in my city. And so I was this young kid left to my own devices and having to deal with being shunned. It was tough at that time. It was very tough. I almost felt like I should just go back to the railway station and try and find a train and go back to Bombay, you know, tails between my legs and run off. Thank God for the next set of musicians who arrived uh, for the that second concert. One of them was somebody who I had worked with uh, before in Mumbai and was a friend. And uh, and he said, you know, don't worry, it happens. So, you know, it's okay. Uh, tomorrow they won't even remember they did that to you. Those were his words. And uh, along with that, a nice little bowl of Indian sweets. He gave me one gulab jamun one rasgulla and one chum chum, what we call chum chum is kind of like a gulab jamun with cream inside of it, like a cannoli. He put it, gave it to me, here, eat this. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I felt better. And he said, just forget about it. Get on stage with us and we'll show them. So the pep talk works. Zakir gets up the courage to continue. And when he performs his second night at the festival, he kills it. And every time I did something, the audience would clap and go bravo and all. Same audience. They were just like, wow. And nobody even remembered that I'm the same kid who was there the night before last and um, had been booed off. And, and, and it was such an electrifyingly successful concert. All is right in the world. Zakir is back on top, and he's like, you know what? That previous concert wasn't even my fault. I'm amazing, obviously. And in fact, in my subconscious mind, I was blaming Mr. Datar. That was his fault. He, Why did he choose the slow piece? Why did he take such a long time to get to the exciting part? And why didn't he get to the exciting part if they started to boo, then we could have pulled them back again. And you can probably guess what he does puts the whole incident out of his mind and moves on. And that is something that I should not have done. I should have remembered and figured out what it is that happened that night when I was booed and what it is that I should have learned from it. For me, it was like, I'm the son of one of the greatest tabla players of all time. You know, I fell down 
And oh, it's a great thing I didn't hurt myself. Okay, now I can keep going. Nothing's broken. Boom. Bow. So after he comes back from Nagpur, Zakir gets a call for a huge gig. The legendary Sarod player Ali Akbar Khan is playing nearby and needs a tabla player. He asks for Zakir's dad, but his dad is away. So Zakir, who's just turned 16, gets the invite instead. Because I had already played with him once when I was 12 years old, my first professional concert. The, the problem was that between the age of 12 and the age of 16, I had kind of just stayed in my comfort zone. I had not progressed. And by the time I got to this concert, it was on autopilot because it was working. So the show starts, and it seems to be working again, at least at first. Ali Akbar was gentle, understanding, generous, and he was playing. Ali Akbar Khan was one musician who put his head down when he started to play, and rarely did his head come up. So you had to gauge what needed to be done by just listening to him. And then he would once in a while look at me and say, now you play. And as soon as my turn came, So that's what I was doing. And I wasn't thinking what Ali Akbar Khan Saab had just done. And I was just shattering it with Now, unlike the tent festival in Nagpur, this show with Ali Akbar Khan is inside, in a theater with a really nice sound system. So every time Zakir takes a shattering solo, it gets heard very clearly. And on that night, heard by someone with the power to change Zakir's life forever. Mohan Natkarni, he was a critic. He had given me good reviews before, but he felt that maybe it is time to put me straight. Zakir reads the review when it comes out. It goes from good. His tone is good, his sound is good, his balance is good. To bad. But he's lacking in maturity. To worse. Zakir does not listen to the musician he's playing with. And another line was, he is playing the same things that he played for the last five years. It took a long time for me to actually come to grips with it. The words linger in his mind, and he's devastated because he knows they're all true. My friends were saying, oh, don't pay attention to that. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And even my father said that. That guy, he's not even a proper musician. You don't pay attention. And I guess they were just trying to be nice to me. But this fucks with Docker so much that he takes a break from performing. He goes full monk mode. And I decided I needed to go away for the chilla, which is something that we musicians do. We go away. It's like a retreat where you go solo into a place, no outside contact. Someone is assigned to bring you food and leave it outside the door. And you, for 15, 16, 17 hours, are just with your music and trying to figure out of what it is that needs to be done. For 40 days, I just stayed by myself. 
and I face the music. When he emerges from the retreat, he's got a new bag of tricks, and more importantly, a whole new outlook on performing. This art form is an art form which has a large amount of spontaneity in it. In other words, you have to improvise and interact. It's like you start up a conversation with the fellow musician and then see how the conversation develops. So you don't pre-plan whatever you're going to say to this guy because you don't know what this guy is going to be talking about. So that the next time, and yes, 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 there is a next time, there has to be. The next time he plays in front of the critic, he's ready. At one of the concerts that I played with the Santur maestro, Pandit Shivkumar Sharma, the same reviewer reviewed it. And he gave the title of the review as When Time Stood Still. Just listening to that uh, one hour, 20 minute raga rendition, the time just stood still for him. So it all kind of came, you know, the complete circle. And uh, I guess I redeemed myself in his eyes. That was important. He's redeemed, but he doesn't let that get to his head because he did something to make sure he never, ever, ever makes the same mistake again. Once I came back from my chilla, I was just going through, you know, papers in my desk or something. And there it was, uh, the critics' review. And I looked at it, and it didn't bother me. There really was no emotion, and I was afraid. I was afraid because I wanted it to keep reminding me that uh, this is the turning point, that that's, this is where it all began. And so what to do, uh, how to preserve it, how to you know, keep coming back to me and set, setting me straight. And so the only thing to do was frame it. So I framed it and uh, put it next to my bed till... Is it still there? Is it still by your bed? It is still there. It is still there. But when I leave home, it, it gets locked. Uh, many a times, my mother tried to take that away and put it away. Uh, but I would find it and put it back where it is. And, and so that's how it was. And, uh, and that's how it will be. The great Charlie Chaplin once said to a young actor, why are you just waiting to speak your line? Learn to listen. One of the things that that review and then the, the review of redemption did was bring home to me, learn to listen and to be part of the conversation. I think I've learned my lesson well and uh, hopefully uh, that it's going to stay with me in my mind, in my heart, with a huge debt of gratitude to Mr. Mohan Natkarni, the critic. 
Tell Them I Am is presented by Higher Ground Audio and Spotify and produced by Dustlight Productions. I'm your host and executive producer, Misha Youssef. The executive producers at Higher Ground Audio are Dan Fearman, Mukta Mohan, and Anna Holmes. Janae Maribel is editorial assistant. From Dustlight Productions, Mary Knopf is our executive producer. Ariana Garibli and Jonathan Shiflet are our producers. Arwen Nix is our editor. Valeria Alarcon is our apprentice. This episode was written by me, Arwen Nix, and Jonathan Shiflet. It was sound designed by Jonathan Shiflet. Valentina Rivera is our engineer. David Leinard is our composer and made our gorgeous original music. Additional music in this episode includes Rag Shud Kalyan by DK Datar, Raga Mala by Ali Akbar Khan and Zakir Hussain, Jala Ghat by Shiv Kumar Sharma and Zakir Hussain from When Time Stood Still, live at Rung Bhavan, Bombay. Emin Ahmed is our illustrator and the creator of our episodic art. Elizabeth Goodspeed made our amazing series tile art. Special thanks to Rachel Garcia, our development and operations coordinator. From Spotify, executive producers are Daniel Eck, Don Ostroff, and Courtney Holt. This podcast was originally a production of LAS Studios. <laughs>